What's going on, Finn Maniacs listeners? You know, I'm doing this pod, this pod today from a, a different, pretty in- interesting spot. I came to Vanderbilt Beach in Naples, Florida for the weekend, surprising my grandfather for his 85th birthday. But hey, sports is always on my mind, and I was obviously able to conduct this podcast today. I want to welcome in my partner, my uh, a great buddy of mine, um, Usam Patel. Usam, we have a very, very, very special guest also on today's show. Yeah, we do, man. Thanks for, you know, this is our second episode of the Dolphin Drafty Series, and we have a friend of the bot coming on. We'll, you'll bring him a little bit later on, but uh, who are we talking about today, B-dubs? So everybody, you know, the talk of the past week and a half was, right, Jaden Waddle, Jaden Waddle, right? And, and even our special guests that we're bringing on today – posted a tweet about, you know, less than 48 hours ago, we were a- we were able to see Jalen Waddle out there during rookie minicamp. He looks great. He looks healthy. I don't really think that that uh, ankle is a is a big issue at all. But how about, remember, Miami had two first-round picks, right? They draft Jalen Waddle six overall. But how about the 18th overall pick? I don't really know if this is a name that many of you thought, but I know – all three of us sitting in this room right now, we know this this individual very well, Jalen Phillips, who in my in, in in my opinion, he could be the best defensive edge coming out of this class, right? I mean, if, if you honestly watch his, his his tape, not only from from 2020, the kid is just an absolute monster, and you know, I'm. It, not only did the uh, Dolphins really need to draft a a uh, a uh, running back out of this class. An edge rusher was really because we really didn't have that guy who can really attack the uh, the uh, quarterback. We saw, you know, some plays here and there. Emmanuel Adba last year, the way the Dolphins, and you got to give an instrumental amount of credit to Chris Greer and Brian Flores for bringing in a guy like that. We honestly really haven't seen that probably since Cam, Cam Wake, right? That's right. We haven't really seen that type of impact. And <laughs> I uh, talked to J- uh, Jason, our producer, about Jalen and Jalen, Jalen squared. It's because they're both scary to opposing teams on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball. And Brandon, you, you have a great quote from uh, Greg Co- Cosell. Uh, tell me what uh, Greg Cosell talks about uh, Jalen Phillips and his impact. So Greg, so Greg Cosell, who's a respected film analyst and a producer for NFL Films, on new deep on the new Dolphins defensive lineman slash linebacker Jalen Phillips, he pretty much basically said that he's not going to really compare him necessarily yet to Chase Young, which was the second overall pick in last year's draft. We saw what Chase Young was able to do, and just overall that Washington football team defense as a whole. You take a look at that at that that front seven. That's a scary unit. I mean, that's a unit that really personally me. Being 170 pounds, that's a unit that I certainly don't want to face. But he pretty much said that he doesn't really necessarily want to compare him just yet to Chase Young. He's in a uh, special class of his own. But of all the edge rushers that he's watched, all the ones considered the top guys, he likes his tape the most. That his traits that he presents on the football gridiron, it pretty much overtakes any defensive edge. And that's why I'm excited personally Remember, this is going to be the greatest season of all time. Why? Because there's now an extra NFL game added. But that may, that may not, you know, that may cause neg- negativity issues as well because you got to make sure that these guys stay healthy, right? Because we always talk about staying healthy over a 16-game season. Remember, the Dolphins schedule, they have a bye in week 14. And, and, and Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald put a tweet out about it. I believe it was on Wednesday night when the schedule was formally released to the entire public. 
the Dolphins week 14 bye is the is the longest bye is the is it's the longest bye in franchise history, which means the Dolphins they're gonna be playing 13 weeks of football before they get that week off. And yes, they're gonna be going to London against Jacksonville. They're coming right back and playing a football game. They're not even gonna have a bye after the after the Ravens game on third on Thursday night. So this is gonna be I'm interested to see whether these rookies that that the Dolphins draft, and I don't I don't I believe Jalen Phillips hasn't signed his his rookie deal just yet. I know Waddle signed his about two, three days ago. But Jalen Phillips has not inked his deal yet. But I just want to make sure that these guys are able to stay healthy over a 17-game season because this schedule, if you take a look at it, it is pretty brutal early on. I, I'm, and that's true. It's really, really, you know, staying healthy, being healthy. It's a 17-game season. That week 14 by is the longest, and it's really going to be up to coaching, conditioning, and nutrition. Nutrition is a big factor, and especially – for Jalen Phillips, because again, at UCLA, he had all of these health issues, wrist injury, ankle injury, and concussions. And at some point he was medically retired by UCLA's doctors. Now it wasn't his choice. It was a, a UCLA health protocol that led him to medically retire. And look, he changed up his diet. He changed up his nutrition. And that at Miami, I mean, he was awesome. He was just amazing. Right. He's super powerful. He, he can bend on the edge, and he, he's just awesome. And how about we bring in our special guest, Brandon, who, you know, has covered the Miami Hurricanes for a long, long time. You guys have honestly probably seen this special individual on Channel 10 News. He covers the Miami Hurricanes. He covers the Miami Dolphins. And even I'm sure he'll be at the BB&T Center this upcoming week. Uh, maybe, he'll, maybe he'll be there tonight when the Panthers open up their best of seven game series versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. I want to welcome in a very special guest. Please give it up, Mr. Will Manso. Will, how's everything going, buddy? Good, guys. It's good to talk to you. First of all, uh, happy birthday to your grandfather. I'm glad Thank you can spend it with him. That's really it. cool. 85, man. Still going strong. And I will be uh, at the Panthers playoff game Sunday, Tuesday. So I I'm looking forward to that, man. I've been uh, here 22 years at the station. And I think the Panthers have made the playoffs, what, two, three times in that time? And they've never won a series in the time I've been here. So Correct. I'm excited to have some fun. So we'll see if they bring a nice spark and the heat, too. So we got, a lot to, we got a lot going on in town. Listen, this is honestly probably, I mean, one of the most exciting times. You have a very young Marlins squad who, even though that they've lost the first two games in the series against a very tough opponent in the Los Angeles Dodgers, everybody knows that they were the World Series champions in 2020. Listen, the Marlins have a very bright future, and I, I, you know, it's funny. A lot of people always like to argue about the attendance that the Marlins really haven't gotten so many people to come to uh, Lone Depot Park. But let me, let me, this is a long process, right? I mean, this is a process. You take a look at the Dolphins in 2019 when they were pretty much the laughing stock, right? Brian Flores was able to construct this roster, a pretty much torn down roster, to able to win five games, right? Now you fast forward to 2020. It was pretty much COVID year is what everyone's pretty much going to be calling it now. The Dolphins, despite missing the playoffs, were still able to win 10 games. Yeah, and I think, look, you just said it. You know, what, what Brian Flores did was incredible, but we mentioned the Panthers earlier and the Marlins of what they're trying to build. In this town, guys, if you win, people come. More right. than maybe any town. There are some towns that people come regardless because, you know, maybe the history of the town, that teams have been around for 80 or 100 years. We don't have that history. Miami sports isn't that old, you know. It was basically Dolphins and Canes in the 60s and then the 70s, and then everybody else came along. So in this town, if you win, they come, and the Marlins are building something special, I think. But we've seen it with the Dolphins, too. We see it with the Panthers. The the, the BB&T Center is going to be packed for these games. It's half capacity, but they are going to be packed. No tickets available 
when they these teams win, team players get excited. They come here, and then fans want to be part of it. So I'm looking forward to it with the Marlins with the building. So before we get into this into this important discussion about about Jalen Phillips, Will, do you think anyone's going to be throwing rats on on the ice tonight? Or <laughs> you know they're coming. Everybody's got their rats. You know. The rats ready because that'll always be a history of the, of the Panthers, man. You got to always throw the rats out. Let's hope they let's hope they get a couple wins in the first two games before they go to Tampa. And we see a lot of rats. Oh, definitely, definitely, we we want to check check out the Panthers. I mean, it's it's been a beautiful season for them. Uh, but let's dive right in to Jalen Phillips. People are saying he's got rare length. He's in the mold of Chandler Jones, his hand placement has advanced for a guy who's just coming out of college. And he understands how to use his body well compared to other uh, edge rushers from this draft class. He could be a 3-4 outside linebacker, which Miami has listed him as. And he's got strong, heavy hands to help him in the run game. So, Will, what's the most exciting thing Phillips brings to a Brian Flores defense? Well, I think you said it. Look, Brandon mentioned the physical traits that Cosell talked about and comparing him and, and saying the impact it could have. With, you're talking Chase Young, who was so impactful. And as you said, he was a number two pick. Jalen Phillips was the best, the most talented defensive end rusher type in this draft. I don't think there's a question of that. The medical stuff was a concern. Obviously, the Dolphins did their research. They felt comfortable with it. But I think to answer your question as far as the most exciting thing about him, you got to look at it through the eyes of Brian Flores. It's his versatility. You know, and Jalen already mentioned it this week. He is a guy that's used to having his hand on the ground and being an edge guy and working the moves and the great athletic ability. But he can also step out and be a linebacker type. And it, 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 it's such a versatile way to play. And we've seen it in the two years of Brian Flores. He wants versatile players, especially on defense. You know, you guys know that I'm a Giants fan from birth, you know, basically. So, and I, and I, so I follow the Giants a lot. And I only bring up the Giants because, remember, Patrick Graham went over from the system of Brian Flores to New York, and he has done the same. The Giants want guys with versatility that can play in, in, you know, safeties that can play in the box, that can come in and almost be a linebacker hybrid type. Same with edge guys that can come out and be linebackers. That's the way a Brian Flores type defense is. And when you look at Jalen Phillips, guys, he is the prototype for that between the skill, the versatility, the athleticism, the length. I don't think you can draw up a better player for Brian Flores to want in his defense. And also, you guys, the Giants picked up Aziz Ojolaria. That's a perfect fit in Patrick Graham's defense. Dude, he's similar to Jalen Phillips, but I would say arguably Ojolaria is better in coverage than Jalen Phillips. Um, you know, you saw him in Miami on the first couple of series of almost every single game against Clemson, against Virginia Tech, against Duke. I mean, he's got such a high motor, and he's impacting the first couple plays in the game. However, his explosion sometimes can be, you know, not beneficial to him, especially in a two- or three-point stance. He's not going to bring a lot in coverage, and sometimes his length can work against him as he plays too high at times and needs to work on his leverage around, around the line of scrimmage. How can he clean up these negatives to become that pure pass rushing threat that Miami needs him to be? Well, I think you said one of them is, that, you know, his, his athleticism and his motor, his ability to want to learn. Jalen, you guys have heard him talk. Uh, he's a bright kid. He's an energetic kid. He loves football, which, you know, what sucks about everything is that it's, there's so much stuff put out there, right? We all read social media and draft guides and preps and all that stuff. And sometimes a message gets lost and it becomes like fact. Like, and this whole thing about him quitting football and not having the passion for it, none of that is true. 
he had medical issues that put him in a spot where he had to give a football for a bit, refocus, came back, but it was never about passion for football. So I think that goes with your question of what he can do to get better is that he wants to get better. He has an incredible passion for the game. He loves football. So let's put that out there. Anybody, any Dolphin fan listening that thinks like, man, I still worry about he gave up football. That's all BS, man. He loves football. Right. He's healthy, which the Dolphins wouldn't have drafted him if they didn't think he could stay healthy. He's going to have everything in his advantage to be a special player. Then part two of that is coaching. And I, we, we talked about Brian Flores, you know, the mold of player. Flo will work with him on technique. And that staff will work with him on technique on better ways to improve leverage, better ways to use his speed where he doesn't get too outside and gets caught outside of plays and out of being able to make plays. That's stuff that you just learn, but the drive and the passion is there along with the athletic ability. Uh, I think it's it's the right combo to get the most out of him as time goes on. So, Will, I, I want to ask you this. Do you think that there is a possibility, if really any, that Jalen Phillips, if you can compare his game to the great legend Jay, uh, Jason Taylor, Man, it's been it's funny you guys you mentioned the brother because I, I've been I've been I've heard that reference and it's been mentioned to me. And even it's funny, before he was drafted by the Dolphins, I had someone tell me that at UM saying, Man, you see this kid, he reminds me a lot of Jason. Jason's was a little bit different of a body type. You know, guys are getting so much bigger and stronger. I mean, Jason right. considered undersized. Remember, Jason was a linebacker in college that that kind of got had to put on weight or at least play. There were questions about Jason, which is why Jason wasn't a top 10 pick. And Jason Taylor, if you look at him, what he became, he would have been a top 10 pick in the draft, top five pick in the draft. But I think a lot of people didn't envision that because there were questions about his size and his position. Could he really handle the, the strength in the NFL? And obviously he proved that over the course of his Hall of Fame career. Jalen's a little different in the sense that Jalen's already there athletically. The questions about his strength and his size have never been a question. That's not at all a question. But I think the comparison of the, of the impact he can make and the speed, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's silly to mention Jason Taylor, but I do think there was a little bit of a body type and an issue and, and, and a little bit of a difference in the two. It's a different era. Guys are a lot bigger now than when Jason came out. Uh, but I, I do think he can have that similar impact. It's putting a lot on a kid because Jason Taylor is a Hall of Famer and one of the greatest guys to ever put on a uniform for the Miami right. Dolphins. But I think the Dolphins envision him being a guy who can just – drive a quarterback crazy the way Jason and where you would have to game plan the way offenses had a game plan knowing they had Jason coming after them. So everybody does want to talk about Jason Taylor and, and Jalen Phillips, that comparison. Give me half of what Jason Taylor was in this Brian Flores defense and he'll still be success. He'll still be success, successful. Now there are three key things that every pass rusher needs to have to be successful as Brett Coleman says what are those three things that Jalen Phillips has already will I mean I, I think it was the athleticism I mean the determination I think part of getting to the quarterback is wanting to get to the quarterback you know I mean I think there are guys that just are relentless on every play that don't take plays off and I, it's kind of cliche because obviously there are going to be moments where the energy as the game goes on isn't the same on every play you can't expect a guy to have the same energy but Jalen is the kind of guy where his motor is always working. That I don't think he's the guy who's all going to quit. And you hear it sometimes about uh, prospects where like, ah, you know, you watch his game film and he doesn't bring it every play. And I'm not talking about Jalen. I'm talking about guys, certain guys in general. And that's why they tend to drop in drafts or why there's questions about them. 
you'll never have that question on Jalen. If you hit play and you watch his film or you watch the video clips, just go to YouTube and watch the video clips. You don't need to have film and, 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 and NFL video to see this kid. You see what he does every play. His athleticism, his length. I mean, those are things that are just very difficult for offensive linemen to deal with. It's just a rare combination when you see him do, the, do that. But again, look, guys, we talked about it. He needs to be coached. He's not a perfect prospect. I mean, there are things about his games. I don't expect him to come in and have 12, 15 sacks as a rookie yet. I think you're you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you think that. There are things in his games he has to work on, in his game that he needs to improve, and he's got the right staff. But from an athletic package, I don't know how you can mold, have the mold better to kind of bring the guy forward who you want. And again, he wants to be that player. You don't have to worry about about dedication about hard work with him he wants to be special he doesn't want to just come in and be okay he doesn't want to just say okay i made it in the nfl i'm a first round pick i'm rich no no no. he wants to be considered one of the best edge guys defensive players in the nfl and he wants that soon so part of being a great edge rusher is playing against the run at miami he was good but not great this season you're playing against josh jacobs jonathan taylor i believe Leonard Fournette is still on the Bucks, playing Travis Etienne in Jacksonville. You have to play Josh Allen, who can kill people with his legs, playing Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens defense. You're playing Christian McCaffrey. You're playing Saquon what is Barkley. But that all has to do with edge discipline, right? Like yes. Knowing to set the edge and knowing not to get lost in a play. And I think that's – look, that's something we talked about earlier again with coaching. As an edge guy, it can't just be you're going upfield every single play. You have to – and the best in the business – look, Brendan mentioned Chase Young. Uh, me as a Giant fan, watch a lot of Chase Young. I wish the Giants had gotten Chase Young. Trust me. I, I wish they hadn't won that game against Washington and they had the second pick two years ago. Yeah, it didn't work out that way. But the point being, something that makes him so special is you see him, he goes with a high motor. But, man, his eyes are always – he knows when to set the edge, when to not get lost in a play and go upfield and the running back's running right by him or the quarterback's running right by him. And I think that's something Jalen obviously has to improve on, guys. Because if Jalen gets lost in that shuffle, he's going to lose playing time in Miami. Brian Flores will not accept a guy who can't maintain at the edge and can't maintain right. that, that area and let running backs and quarterbacks just run on by. So, obviously, with the Dolphins drafting uh, Jalen Phillips at pick number 18, Will, is this was this a position that the Dolphins had to address immediately? Or do you think maybe the Dolphins should have maybe grabbed a guy like uh, uh, Najee Harris, who was then end up being selected by the pit, by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm glad you asked that because look, it's been debated since even before the draft, right? Like all the mock drafts that we all did and we right. all the experts did and all that stuff. To me, I mean, it's not a, it's a no brainer. To me, an edge guy is maybe is one of the most important positions in football because this is an this is a game now that is the offensive explosion, the speed of players. So I'm, you know, you mentioned the amount of players they're going to face this year. That's just a a handful of the talented players the Dolphins will have to face on the opposing side on offense. You need a guy who can get to the quarterback and disrupt. And I'm not the kind of person that diminishes the running back position as much as others and say, oh, whatever, you can get one anywhere. No, you need a good running back. Look, you can't just find one anywhere. Sure, it's great when you get lucky and you get a fourth, fifth round pick who turns into starting running back. And we see it around the NFL. Very rarely do you see a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick who is a disruptive edge guy. And it's just a monster there of going to the quarterback. To me, that's too important a position. It was a massive position to need for the Dolphins. And they did the right thing by addressing it there. If they wait, if they take Najee Harris, yeah, they get a very good running back and potentially one of the better ones in the game as time goes on. 
and they wait on an edge guy, the chances of a third, fourth round edge guy being anywhere as impactful as Jalen Phillips can be is pretty much slim to none. It, it just would not have happened. I thought it was the right move and the needed move for them to get address that position. So in your opinion, what's more impactful, pressure or sacks for Jalen Phillips? Well, you hope. That's a great question because it's funny. Yeah, Another Kings guy went through that a few years ago, Olivier Vernon. Uh, Olivier was a guy who was always near the top of the pressure rate. Remember, even when he was here in Miami, and then he went to the Giants. Giants had to a big contract, and a lot of fans would just look at the sack number. He only got six sacks. He sucks. I'm like, yeah, but go over to this column a little bit and look at the pressures. Right. You know what I mean? He's always disrupting the quarterback. Yes, you want those pressures to turn into sacks. That's a big part of being an edge guy. But anytime you can disrupt the quarterback, it's a huge deal. So to me, it's both. You don't you want a guy to finish the job, so to speak. But if you have if you're pressuring the quarterback constantly, your pressure rate and the amount of time you get to the quarterback is up in, in the upper tier of the NFL, you're doing your job. You're doing your job. And and I think that's what it comes down to with Jalen Phillips is he needs to be disruptive. It doesn't have to mean that every play has to end in a sack, but if he's forcing that quarterback to go to the outside, rush a throw, throw into coverage, interception, tip pass, you know, third down, lack of conversions, he's doing his job. And, Will, I, I, I want to ask you quickly before we uh, wrap up today's show, did you get a chance to look at that, at that Dolphin schedule? What game really attracts you the most? What game are you really excited for? What game are you not so uh excited for what 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 potential matchups do, do you see going here i mean you you know my answer is going to be the giants in december <laughs> you know it's going to be the giants coming in december because I, I got that game circled as, as a game i can enjoy as a fan i already told my bosses i'm taking that day off i'm going as a fan <laughs> but no, realistically i think the games that i think you know what's funny it's very rare that it happens i think the first two games of the season might be the most intriguing which is the same two games as last season <laughs> yes because last year, I don't think we bought into the Dolphins being any good, right? I thought right. we thought they might be seven and nine, eight and eight. Right. That would be a big step forward. Like you mentioned, they had five wins a couple years ago, right? So right. you thought if they jumped to seven, eight wins, it's a good step forward for Brian Flores, especially when you knew you had a rookie quarterback who was likely going to see a lot of action in Tua. But all of a sudden, now you look at this year and like, wait, wait, they won 10 games. They went out and got Jalen Waddle. They went out and they got Will Fuller. They went out and they drafted Hunter Long. I mean, they, they seem to have. They believe in their offensive line, whether Dolphin fans do or not. They believe in the, that the offensive line is going to get better with the young guys they have. We know their defense. They got the lockdown corners. They add Jalen Phillips. Point is, this looks like a better, a good football team. So when you got New England on the road right to start, and then you come home for your home opener in the heat, in that you know you're supposed to have that advantage early in the season against the team that we all know is the favorite. Man, those are two huge games, guys. And I think that that will dictate a lot of where Miami's season is going. Can you imagine if they get off to a 2-0 start, they go into New England, they beat a team that – I don't think it's crazy to think early in the season they could beat a New England team that's sort of in that rebuild process, right? And if they can come home and prove a point against the favorites at home and beat Buffalo, to me, those two games are huge for the way the Dolphins' season may end up going. What I'm looking forward to most of the season is obviously having fans back, right? Because a year a year ago, it's like the Dolphins were pretty much playing in in an empty uh, uh, Gillette Stadium, pretty much. And even traveling to Vegas for week three, you're going to necessarily have fans now. So now it's going to be interesting to see how Tua Tonovailoa ton of is going to be able to play with actual people. I mean, he was used to it a little bit because Hard Rock Stadium had, you know, 10, 15,000. But now they're expecting full-capacity stadiums with 60,000, 70,000 people. How is a second-year quarterback going to be able to now adapt to that? Yeah, and I think that's a big question. Look, uh, at home it's going to help because you have your home. And I went to – I think I went, I don't know, three or four Dolphin games last year. 
and the games I went to had fans. Yeah, and there were, you know, I, I, whatever the capacity was, it was not that many, but it was nice to hear and see fans. But a packed stadium, there's nothing like it, guys. But it does go the other way, too, as a quarterback on the road when you're in a tough spot, you yeah. know, in a situation. You know, those fans are cheering. Let's just go to New England week one. You know, the excitement of the football season starting. I know it's early in the season, but you got if you got a packed stadium of fans rooting against you, how do you handle that? And that's just part of a maturation process, I think, for Tua. We talk so much about, hey, he's not – he's a year removed plus from the injury. He's going to have a full summer. And you guys see the pictures on social media and the work he's putting in. I, I know a lot of people think it's for show. It's not for show, man. Tua is getting stronger. He's healthy. And they believe in him. How yeah, dude, he's, he's swole, man. He's got he's got those he's got the arms and the shoulders going. And the, he already had the legs. God knows that, but he is ready to prove, I think, to any critic and to prove to himself and his teammates the kind of player he can be. But yeah, fans and the atmosphere, man. That's why that's why we love football, right? We're all fans. We love to talk trash. We love to be at games in the jerseys and all that stuff. And and we finally get a chance to see it this fall. So I'm looking forward to it. So we're going to end this off with the homer question and then a projection on Jalen Phillips' season. Of the three Hurricane defenders that were drafted between Jalen Phillips, Greg Rousseau, and Quincy Roche, who's going to have the better rookie season? Uh, you know, I think Jalen is the easy answer because I, I think he could be, out of the three, he's probably the most talented. But I will say this, Greg fell in a great situation in Buffalo because the need that they have there and the, the way they – the, the defense they already have, the quality team they have, I feel like he can make an impact because I think they're going to take it slow with Greg and put him in positions for success where I think Jalen's going to get thrown right into the fire in, for the Dolphins. I, I, I envision Jalen being an every down. You know, He's out there, and as we talked about earlier, if he improves that ability to stop the run and he shows he can do that even more so, I think Greg is kind of going to be situational with Buffalo. And sometimes that actually tends to lead to more success because he's going to be in positions early in his career where he's just say, hey, man, be you. We're still teaching you and learning, and that's already a good team and a good defense. And, look, if you have a team like Buffalo that probably is going to win a lot of games, and they're up in games, and they use them in situations where you know he can pin his ears back, and that quarterback's throwing because they're up 14 nothing and into third and eight, you know, I think he could be put in there and, and have one of those seasons where quietly gets eight, ten sacks because he's put – right away to succeed and he's not asked to do too much so the easy answer is Jalen but I almost feel like Greg is in a better position because I don't think they need him to be that every down guy early on and what about uh, Quincy Roche and then we'll finish it up with uh, Jalen Phillips projection for this season Quincy the bottom line with Quincy is you know he he needs to he needs to prove that he can be at that level and that he can play, you know, how much he's used and in, in, in game in and game out is a little bit different, I think, than Jalen and Greg. But I, I do envision Quincy being a long-term guy in the NFL. I think he's got a long career in the NFL. He could be an impactful player. But his size and, and, and his ability, I think, is more in question than obviously when you get to Greg and, and Jalen. But the production, I mean, the kid produced at Temple. He came here and he was as good a, a teammate and player as you can envision. He had that kind of impact. Can he translate that to the NFL? He'll get the chance, and I think he will. It may just not be an immediate thing for him. And then what's your stat projection for Jalen Phillips for his rookie year? Look, I think he's going to be a guy that can get you seven, eight sacks. I do. I think anybody predicting more than that saying he can be a 10-plus sack guy, I think he will be one day. Sure, it could be as early as this season. But I think this year, a lot of it is going to be the learning process. Again, the comparison I threw to Greg is that I think he's going to get thrown in the fire. And when you're young and thrown in the fire, you tend to fail. 
you tend to fail more often because the NFL is just different and what you face every week and opposing defenses and understanding that they game plan to stop you. He's going to have moments where he struggles, but then I think he's going to learn from those moments as the season progresses. And I love that they're going to, I think, I think they're going to throw him in that fire and make him make plays. And I think as the season goes on, he will. And I think you're going to see glimpses of that crazy athleticism and ability and passion. I, I would think it's fair to say a seven, eight sack season that by the end of the year, you could see why he was uh, your, for one of your first round picks and a guy that you're building around for the future. All right, Will, I want to I want to thank you very, very much for uh, jumping on today. Um, I also want to uh, thank you for wishing my grandfather a happy birthday. He's not here right now. I'm 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 in the room alone, but he he watches you pretty much every single morning. He loves your uh, work. I love your work. Usam loves your work. So again, we really really appreciate you for uh, for coming for coming on our the Femanias podcast today. Anytime, man. My pleasure. We'll do it again. Uh, maybe the training camp or right before the season. No, yeah, of course. And also, uh, uh, best of luck tonight at, at the, uh, at the uh, BB&T Center. Let's hope that the, the Florida Panthers can jump out to a quick 2-0 series lead. Be nice. Let's hope for some Panthers and heat fun until we get the Dolphins. Yeah, absolutely. Usam, thank you again, man, as always. Of course. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank you, uh, Finn Maniacs listeners. And make sure you, you uh, check out all three of our individual work. And as always, fins up, everybody. Fins up. Uh -huh.